0: Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now, here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hello, and welcome to The Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. I'm Susan Hosbach, your host for today's discussion. Our guest is Kevin Foyle, chairman of the Global Board for the Association of Fundraising Professionals, and he's here to talk about AFP and the benefits of becoming a member. Welcome, Kevin.
1: It's great to be with you, Susan.
0: Thanks. Kevin is a senior vice president for development and public affairs and chief development officer for the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston, where he leads the fundraising program for the most comprehensive academic health center in the UT system and the U.S. Gulf Coast region. In addition to his role as chairman of the global board for the Association of Fundraising Professionals, he has held numerous leadership positions within AFP. Prior to UT Health, Kevin served as the Associate Vice President for Development at Rice University. Once again, thank you for being with us today. Kevin, please tell us a little about AFP in general, its structure, and its goals. Has it changed over the years? What is AFP 2022?
1: That's a great question. So for those of you that don't know, AFP... Association of Fundraising Professionals is our professional membership association. It's really a trade association for fundraising. And we've broadened a little bit to really impact the philanthropy sector and nonprofit sector more broadly. And it has evolved, and I would say it continues to evolve over the years as we try to meet our members and non-members as well, sort of where they are in the community. So it's interesting because we are a global association, but by and large, we're really North American. The majority of our members are based in the United States. We do have a pretty large population in Canada and a group of members in Mexico as well. And then there are a couple chapters that we have outside of North America. The other thing we've done for global impact is really partnering with other associations within this space that are located in places like Australia or Europe and very specific um, countries as well. And for us, our organization is really based on a chapter model. So one of the differentiators that I've seen and I've really appreciated is the local engagement that you have in your community where you really get to know people. And it actually mirrors a lot in our profession, which is about building relationships. And so this notion of Having really quality core programming at the local level, which really is different than many of the other trade associations that are affiliated with fundraising or nonprofits. And one of the things I wanted to share with you, just thinking about 2022 and even the next couple of years, is how we've thought at the board level for AFP Global around our strategic plan, because I think that's been one of the areas that drives the association and really ironically, is a beacon for us, which really keeps us focused and future looking. As many organizations have done, we put IDEA, which is inclusion, diversity, equity, and access at the forefront of our strategic plan, which runs through 2024. But we try to think of IDEA and how we think about diversity and inclusion, having that intertwined with everything we do. So You know, AFP has been working in diversity and inclusion spaces since the 80s, but now it's really intertwined as a core aspect of everything that we do. So it's something that we think about all the time. The next area and pillar of focus for us is providing high quality education. This is something very core to AFP, and it's something that I think is important because you can get it at a local level, you can get it at a regional level and then even national or global level. And obviously with our focus on virtual content, that's another avenue with webinars and and things like podcasts, right? Where you bring people together and um, get nuggets of information you can take back to your organization. And I mentioned connections and connectivity and sort of bringing out those personal relationships. And I think that's something that is also a key pillar um, of our plan, which is how do we bring people together? Of course, this has been shifting and changing over the last couple of years. But I think, you know, and Susan, you and I were talking about it, it's it's still something that's so important to fundraising, which is that personal connection. And so how do we take advantage of the efficiencies that technology bring to the table? But at the same time, we don't lose sight of having that personal interconnection. The final pillar in our plan is focused on ethical fundraising best practices. Ethics for AFP has been a cornerstone for what we do, and I think it's something that's very important for us. We all want to stay out of the newspaper, off of off of the 5 o'clock news, and definitely out of the internet. So I think all of us need to hold ourselves accountable and make sure that not only we are as fundraising professionals, but also the donor base that we work with, and then those in our realm, right, in the organization Um, That maybe isn't in fundraising, but how do we influence our executive directors, our CEOs, our accountants, our CFOs, you know, how we make the whole organization ethical and really above board and and following best practices. And it's one of the great things about coming together, spending time with each other, is you're able to learn from each other.
0: So if I'm a fundraising or nonprofit professional, what can I expect to gain from joining AFP? How will it benefit my career, and how will it benefit the organization I work for?
1: So there's so many things you can gain? I think personally, in many ways, I'm a product of AFP I spent my really my entire professional career intersecting with various iterations of AFP and what's great about the association is it meets you really where you are in your career. So when you're starting out early on, you know it might be about local networking, so finding connections. Maybe it's a job opportunity, an internship, maybe getting plugged into the nonprofit connections at your local level. But then it might turn to providing you resources. And frankly, the resources are endless. And it's almost like we've got this bookshelf full of books and it's thinking, okay, but if I don't ever read one of those books, I'm never going to gain any of the information that's in it. So AFP is the same way. There's just countless of webinars, um, connections, best practices, case studies, things that you can tap into, rules and regulations, sample bylaws, just everything you might need for your organization. All you have to do is tap into it, and you can get out of it as much as you put into it. I think of the online resources um, that I would highlight in particular is that AFP has created a career center. So it's a place that people that are looking for maybe a career move or to enhance their current career, they can go in, get resume advice, you can get interview, feedback, you can really get tricks of the trade basically around your career. Data is another area. A lot of organizations want to think about how you you capture all this data in your CRM, but how do I use it? Oftentimes I would recommend going to a consulting firm because they can kind of tease that out and you can work with them to really better understand and kind of enhance your staff if you have a small staff size. Um, But a lot of times it's how do you mine the data that you already have. Providing best practices, and I've talked about best practices a lot, but I think it's really important. You can come to the table thinking you know all the answers, but trust me, there are scenarios that you've not seen before. And when you've seen that scenario and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I need to do here now. Well, what you do is you pick up the phone and call Susan or Jeff (laughs) or someone else and say, give me some guidance and advice because I don't know how to do this. I've never seen this before. And chances are somebody else in the AFP community has, which is really great. And then I think the best part of AFP and the interconnections that we have is that you do truly build lifelong friends, whether it's in your local community, you know, it's getting together for happy hour, getting together for lunch. So those informal connections. Maybe it's National Philanthropy Day. It's, it's some opportunity that you almost have a homecoming and get back together. And then what's great is we're this global community. So it expands even beyond. So I'm from Texas, Susan's from Tennessee, and here we are together, brought together only because of AFP. And that's something that is, you just really can't change that or exchange it for anything. It's wonderful.
0: I feel like I'm a product of AFP too. So I hear you. So final question, tell us about AFP events. Are there any coming up and why is it important to attend?
1: So AFP has really rethought how we think about events and we have many that are local, which is great. So definitely look at your local calendars to see what's happening in your community, I think that's a great place to start. But obviously, more broadly, we have some core activities where we pull people together that I would say happen every year, whether it's in a virtual setting or hybrid or now more in person. So each fall, we have a thing called LEAD, which is basically our leadership development course. And it's really interesting because it's not going to teach you how to do fundraising. So it's not about Fundraising 101. Assume you know fundraising. This is now how do I be a leader within the fundraising space? So I think it's a really nice, almost like an MBA light over a course of three days. So it's a great way to step your feet into leadership. The other thing, just while I'm talking about leadership, is emerging leaders. We've created a virtual workshop. One is happening in November, and it'll be available because it is virtual, which is an opportunity for emerging leaders to come together and get content that is specific for them at their stage and age of their career. And then probably the highlight, one of the things that I would recommend everybody go to at least once, and if you have the opportunity to go more than once, is ICON. And that is really our iconic annual conference. We usually have three or 4,000 people in attendance, people truly from all over the world come together for an intensive three days of sessions You literally have an opportunity to attend one of 110 sessions. Also, if you participate, you get access to the virtual content, which is a collection of all of those sessions. So even though maybe in person, you only get to go to 15 sessions, you then go home with access to all of those sessions really available for you to view at any time. What's exciting about 2023 April 16 to 18 will be in New Orleans. It's a great location, historic site. If you've not been to New Orleans, it's a perfect opportunity and excuse to go. So highly recommend it. I can't say enough great things about Icon. And then the last thing I just want to put out as a teaser and maybe there'll be an opportunity for you all to have somebody back in the future to talk specifically about this, but it's a fundraiser's bill of rights. So we've had for many, many years the donor bill of rights, but this is really now looking at what things we need to do to protect our fundraisers. In many ways, we used to be focused solely on the donor, and the donor was always right sort of do whatever they want, like whatever their gift is or interest is, take your organization down that path because. The the goal is to say, yes, get the gift. What we've learned is we really need to provide a safe haven for our fundraisers, not only providing guardrails to make sure that they're able to do their jobs appropriately and effectively, but also in a safe way and realizing that there's a, a balance between the donor and the fundraiser. So I think this is going to be a great companion bill of rights. We're just starting the work now, and I encourage you to get engaged and involved in that discussion.
0: Any timeline on when you expect that will be available?
1: I think we will spend about a year Mm -hmm. doing a lot of um, conversations and dialogue to make sure we have the content right. But we've recruited two great chairs who are working together with a committee. Of course, AFP is great about pulling together groups of steering committees or task forces. We have a great one working together that's very representative of our fundraising community. And I think they're going to get it right. And I think it's a thing that organizations will be able to have those two documents as sort of guide rails for their organization to make sure that we are doing what's best in the interest of our donors, but at the same time taking care of our professionals.
0: That's great. That is exciting. Well, it looks like we've come to the end of our allotted time. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm sure our listeners have too. Thanks so much for being here with us today.
1: It's so great to see you and and great work with everything you're doing here.
0: Thanks so much. To our listeners, you can connect with Kevin on LinkedIn and learn more about AFP at afpglobal.org. Once again, I'm Susan Hosback. Thanks so much for joining us and see you next time on The Beacon Podcast, your connection for nonprofit success. Thanks for listening to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews suggest future topics, and learn more about upcoming podcasts and guests at LighthouseCouncil.com.